0: Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. At the core of any humanitarian crisis, Natural or man-made is aviation industry which plays a pivotal role in the delivery of food, medical supplies or shelter materials besides flying in personnel who are trained to deal with disasters of any kind. Air services are particularly essential in situations when crumbling infrastructure or ongoing conflict effectively cuts off ground access to entire regions. Airlink, formed in 2009 by the philanthropic arm of International Society for Transport Aircraft Trading, supports individuals and institutions that promote the advancement of commercial aviation and humanitarianism. It is a rapid response humanitarian relief organization that connects airlines and pre qualified nonprofits to help communities in crisis. Airlink harnesses the power of aviation. To save lives and rebuild communities in the aftermath of natural and man made disasters. My guest today is Steve Smith, President and CEO of Airlink. This episode of Cargo Masterminds celebrates and salutes the air cargo industry and Airlink for coming together to rebuild human communities every time a disaster strikes to destroy homes. And hopes American actor Harrison Ford in a video message supporting Airlink says and I quote there is nothing particularly glamorous about what Airlink does but what they do is essential Steve Smith joins me in this episode of Cargo Masterminds to discuss what Airlink does in a world where humanitarian crisis is on the rise and how Airlink prepares to increase its reach Prior to joining Airlink in 2013, Steve held a number of international leadership positions across aviation, nonprofit, public relations, and information technology. As the president and CEO since 2018, Steve Smith leads Airlink to increase its resource base and global impact. Steve, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. Such a pleasure to have you as our guest today. Great. Thanks so much, Reggie. It's great to
1: be here. I really uh really appreciate uh, you talking to me today.
0: Steve, let's start with uh, your decision to join Airlink uh, in 2013, and in 2018 you became uh, or you were appointed the president and CEO of Airlink. What led you to uh, join Airlink? Yeah,
1: I mean it's it's really interesting. You know, um, I mean I was always uh, very interested in, and impressed with the mission. Um, as you said, I joined in 2013, so Airlink was joined uh, was formed in 2010, and uh, prior to that I was uh, worked uh, at Rolls Royce. And uh, I love the sector, I love the aviation sector, but I also had, had held other positions uh, within the nonprofit sector prior to that. Um, and I really like the simplicity of the model. Um, helping nonprofits with airlift um, is, is just so simple. Um, and it's something that really has a material impact on on uh, helping them go and, uh, and achieve their missions, because as we know, during disasters, forget COVID, we can talk about that in a second, but um, prices usually spike, uh, capacities co- um constrain, and so, um, you know, airlift to be able to move disaster responders and their cargo in is really critical, so I was pretty excited about that.
0: Okay, Steve, uh, let's look at 2020 and give us a sense of Airlink's activities in 2020, besides, of course, COVID.
1: Sure. Um, You know, we we are on track right now uh, to support programs uh, that will help uh, 7 million people this year. You know, some of our notable programs, Operation Airlift India. Um, Despite all of the the operational challenges we had, Airlink sent uh, nearly 300 tons of oxygen-related equipment um, over a a number of uh, 22 different shipments. Um, 13, over half of them, 13 were um, supported by one of our uh, most important partners, United Airlines. And then, um, you know, following that, Nepal, uh, we actually chartered an IL-76 into Kathmandu at a critical time when the Delta virus had, had moved on from India, still in India, um but uh carrying protective gear and even uh, hospital beds 30 hospital beds and we estimate probably 900,000 people uh were impacted uh by by the, the the support and aid on that flight and more recently we've been involved uh, in the Haiti earthquake response um so airlink recently uh, funded and coordinated two charter flights uh that have moved 71 tons of uh critical aid to support over 2000 families and overall uh, we provided support to 16 non-profit relief relief partners um, and um which has really resulted in uh estimates of 40,000 uh people getting access to clean water uh 23,000 people uh receiving uh shelter and non-food items and recently we've also been able to reach new countries uh that we've never been to before uh Cambodia uh, Ghana Guyana uh, Kenya South Africa Sri Lanka and Zambia, so we've been pretty busy.
0: I'm sure uh, there were a lot of aid missions last year that was in 2020, right in the midst of uh, the pandemic related to COVID, uh, but how did you prioritize your missions uh, allocating resources adequately for COVID and non-COVID disaster responses?
1: I mean, this is something we work on year round and we have been working on uh, since, since, since our beginning. Um, it's really all about having trusted and vetted uh, NGO partners. And so we have a, a process, application process, peer reviews that they go through in order to make sure that they are obviously um, legal, uh, have good operational history and we know who we're working with, that's the first thing. Then we work with um, regional coordination bodies um, to ensure that um, the, most, um, the, the most acute and uh, priority needs are being met. We work with um, whichever the state um, can um, sort of lead response actor is to understand what the priorities are and um you know ultimately it, it does also as long as it's one of the priority items also practically come down to who's ready to go and how c- who can move uh, quickly um there's always more uh more need than uh, solutions um uh, but it's really important to us to make sure that we support the most critical and well-organized uh, efforts and sometimes that means not using airlift as well um, especially when we come to the Latin America and the Latin America and the Caribbean, uh, sometimes the ocean is more effective by the time, um, you know, you, you uh, gauge how long it will take to get there and what the impact
0: Let's talk about something. Uh, some of the specific COVID uh, missions that Airlink did so far, in terms of the countries that you managed to reach with uh, with support, both in terms of humanitarian staff as well as humanitarian cargo.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, over so for COVID over the last uh, two years, since the since really the beginning of the upscale of the, of the pandemic, we've now uh, supported programs that have delivered uh, help to over thirteen million people um, in total of all the responses and. Um, You know, I would say, um, you know, that's 11.5 million pieces of uh, protective gear, medical items, you know, over 100,000 oxygen devices and accessories. And in total, uh, we've supported uh, COVID-related missions to 115 countries. You know, that's too many to list, but a few include uh, Zimbabwe, uh, Uganda, Sierra Leone, uh, Botswana, Liberia, uh, India, uh, Cambodia, Bangladesh, uh, Sri Lanka, Iraq and Lebanon and uh, many of the countries we've served are, are low income countries and many of the missions we've supported were in support of fragile communities sending protective gear or hygiene kits to uh, ensure that hand washing which is a critical uh, element of stopping the spread but I would say that um, logistics um, uh, as our friend uh, Harrison Ford and ha- as you opened up uh, it's not particularly glamorous it, you know It's really important, Um, it has a high profile right now because we're all worried about our Christmas presents arriving on time, Um, but it's a chronically underfunded and largely ignored. um, By uh, the by the philanthropic community, Um, but ultimately all programs require logistics. You know, Steve, uh, we are going through a pandemic, which
0: in itself is a crisis, uh, and then there is a crisis called the lack of aviation or uh, aviation capacity with passenger aviation uh, substantially to bare minimum through 2020 and early part of 2021, how did you manage to have access to capacity both for its experts as well as for cargo? That is, would have been a very big challenge for you.
1: Yeah, you, you know, Reggie, I mean, it, it, it's difficult. Uh, and um, I guess what I would say first is that um, when we talk about the aviation sector, you know, we think of companies and, and uh, organizations. Um, you know, what is the aviation sector? It's, it's, it's people, right? And a lot of those people uh, absolutely uh, have been and continue to be first responders, right? Moving around, um, you know, critical aid cargo. And so um, we see this and I see this and I have seen this time and time again, you know, the passion and the generosity of the, um, the people within the aviation sector. Um, there's no doubt about it. I think second uh, though, uh, it's becoming somewhat of a change in the way that Airlink operates because, as you as you said, there's less capacity, and so it is uh, oftentimes our response is now. Um, and I mentioned a couple of examples. Uh, well, you know, uh, our operation airlift India, and even our response in um, Haiti. It's less about a free of charge flight, which um, you know has been sort of our mo, you know, until now. Um, it's more about being a reliable partner. Um, organizations need to be able to get their people and their supplies there to support their partners on the ground. And so, um, you know, that's what's really important. That's what makes an impact. Um, In terms of um, Airlink's, you know, support, one thing that I would say is, you know, uh, we have uh, many friends in the aviation sector that also allows us to um, identify unique airlift options, um, aircraft, carriers, that maybe some of the traditional uh, response organizations, entities are not looking at. And so that's also something that we can bring to bear.
0: Let's talk about your partners, and you have two sets of partners. You have the NGOs, the non-profit, and uh, the airlines. Uh, tell us the current number of NGOs and airlines you work with as partners, and uh, going forward, uh, I'm sure that that's something that you want to increase, the number of partners uh, with AirLink. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I listen,
1: I, I would say that our, uh, our marketing number would be over 50 carriers and over 150 uh, NGOs, nonprofits. Um, and that is true, but the carriers and the NGOs change by region and response. There's no one NGO that does everything. And uh, the humanitarian sector is vast and an often disjointed landscape. And uh, likewise, there's no one carrier that flies everywhere. And, and that's really, I think, the beauty of Airlink that we're bringing them together to collaborate. Because one thing uh, that NGOs do have in common is that they need to transport people and supplies to, pace, uh, to places impacted by disasters. And to do this, uh, we're connecting those carrier networks to create a super network.
0: Let's talk about um, how do you actually how, or how do NGOs and airlines qualify to, to become partners in Airlink? Uh, do you do have any specific process by, I believe NGOs needs to be or nonprofit needs to be pre-approved.
1: That's right. That's right. All of our partners need to be pre-approved. Um, that's a pretty quick process. There's no cost uh, to NGOs to apply. Um, you know, we look for um, a whole. We have a whole ap- application process and, and um, structure. But you know, we're looking for peer references from other uh, nonprofits that worked with it with, with NGOs. Um, we're looking at their financials. We're looking at their legal status. Um, you know, we have a peer review committee uh, process. Um, that uh, and, and an internal review committee uh, process, um, and so it's really important to know who we're working um, because oftentimes there are many organizations that are very well-meaning, but maybe not tremendously well-suited uh, to certain missions, um, and uh, could cause uh, fall on a, a significant issues for the response. And so we need to be careful. About you know, in terms of the carriers. Um, you know we're from the aviation sector as you said uh, we were founded by uh, Istat the International Society of transport aircraft trading and so um, you know the key here as we look to more partners more carriers um, is about how we can come together to solve issues not just how hey can I please have a new flight or can I have some space on your the belly of your plane or in your uh, on your on your main deck you know that's what we're looking for when we engage partners is, is an is a is an approach and a um uh, you know a sense that okay how can we come together to solve problems
0: besides the NGOs and airlines as partners you also need a, a steady list of sponsors to keep the humanitarian supply chain going uh, how easy or difficult uh, has it been for you to have sponsors who believe in your
1: mission yeah I mean we, we have a um we have a small but growing and loyal donor base and uh but, you know, what I would say is that it's, um, it's a difficult task to uh, raise the profile of logistics and the role we play. And, um, you know, I'm sure you know this, but I'll, I'll mention it anyway, is that, you know, there were some studies done a little while ago um, that state that 60 to 80% of all funding that's raised for humanitarian response, 60 to 80%, goes to some element of the supply chain. So that's not just airlift, that's, you know, purchasing, that's, you know, warehousing, that's all, a whole manner of things that, that would go into the supply chain, but it's so significant. And so when you see ads of, you know, uh, of kids or various different programs that are very heart-wrenching and very compelling, 60 to 80% of that funding is going to support some element of the supply chain. It doesn't get there unless it gets there. And it, so it's not just, um, you know, about uh, cost savings. Um, I, I think that, you know, um, you know, the simple fact is that many response efforts would not happen if uh, Airlink uh, was not there and we weren't able to pull together the aviation sector and uh, you know carriers, donors, um, you know, with those resources,
0: you know, you are uh, dealing with disasters, uh, both natural and man-made, and they are sudden and you can't prepare for them. What does normally happen at the Airlink emergency control room when a disaster strikes and you are called for help? You know, Reggie,
1: actually, we are preparing for them, and um, this is a big shift in our programming over the last couple of years. Um, it's there's a lot more focus on uh, the word I'll use is preparedness. And so, what does that mean in a simple sense? It's really having carriers, the nonprofits, and these disaster coordination entities talk in advance, right? And, um, you know, we've had something we call our regional response framework in place for a couple of years now. And in, in practice, as I said, this is really about establishing a forum for uh, them to discuss logistical challenges um, prior to, during, and after the disaster occurs, so that we can be more planned and ready. Um, but of course, you're right, we don't know exactly when and where the disaster can strike. Um, but there are ch- you know, key geographies and seasons where and when things will occur. Um, now, you know, when we do respond, we have you know, clear um, um, internal operation protocols that sees the organization, um, not just the staff, but also our um, vast volunteer network, um, mobilize and identify the support for the highest priority needs. Steve,
0: uh, in your experience, uh, 2013 on bus, it's been about uh, eight years. Uh, can you recall some of the most difficult missions that Airlink has taken up so far?
1: I, I, would, I would cast back to um, you know, responding to uh, the explosion Beirut a you know last year, was a um, in 2020, it was a very difficult assignment. But I think indicative of Airlink's skill and role as a disaster logistics expert for the humanitarian sector, um, the explosion, you'll recall, um, a neglected stockpile of fertilizer left at least 200 people dead, six and a half thousand people injured, um, and according to local officials, 300,000 people uh, were left homeless. And so, um, you know, the, the, the thing is, though, um, any response, um, you know, following the onset of COVID all become, became a health response as well. And so um, it wasn't just about search and rescue, clean up, medical support. There was also a need for protective and, um, But it was also complicated by Lebanon being on the watch list of restricted countries with numerous uh, embargoes and the government that was widely criticized. There were not many organizations that had on the ground access or networks. Uh, uh, and there were few airlines uh, to get there. Uh, airlines that, that serviced the, the um, Beirut. Um, But AirLink had the connections and the experience to navigate those import restrictions. um, And uh, we're very well connected uh, with a partner that was very capable on the ground. And we, you know, we had the response, uh, the the response. We had the resources to respond, not just instantly, but over the following six months, because once things leave the media, um, things aren't over. We still need to continue to respond. And in total, we coordinated uh, almost 100,000 pounds of critical human uh, humanitarian aid. And, um, and a key partner there was uh, Qatar Airways, um, a very really good partner for us. You know, sort of change our location a little bit, responding to the crisis in uh, Ethiopia, the Tigray, uh, and this the Tigray conflict has been uh, also very difficult. we see seen in media now, um, internal civil conflicts, um, Always difficult to navigate, and the lack of stability also limits the ability for humanitarian organisations to get in, and make assessments, and do their work. And so, um, you know, while we continue to support that, that's a highly complex uh, place to respond.
0: Steve, lately the frequencies at which disaster strikes are uh, are far more, and I think the frequencies it is it is on the rise. Uh, like hurricanes, for example, flash uh, floods caused by the climate change. Uh, How has Airlink prepared itself for more rapid response? So climate change
1: is having an adverse effect on us all, right? And um, what's clear is that the needs of those suffering will always outstrip our ability to help. Uh, But through approaches such as Airlink, you know, essentially harnessing the private sector's capabilities to help, we can make a near-term impact in terms of addressing the effects of climate change. And this is something you're going to hear more about uh, from us going forward about how supporting airlines in the near term is an impactful way to address the effects of climate change while we work as a sector to become more efficient.
0: Steve, are you happy with the participation of airlines in uh, Airlink's mission and how do you intend to increase the number of airline partners and your list of sponsors?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Listen, we, we always need more support and we welcome a discussion with any carriers and governments interested in joining the airline community to support humanitarian response. Um, you know, we certainly need as much help as we can get, absolutely. Um, but I think over time, I've learned that what, you, what we need to do is just continue telling our story, demonstrating um, the impact and importance of what we're doing. Um, and finally, you know, help the carriers and donors, supporters understand the value, uh, that not only do we bring to, um, to our work and the folks we're, um, and the people we're helping, but also to them as an organization. And we believe uh, that part of the answer is in the role that Airlink plays to essentially enable them to plug into an established mechanism to support disaster response globally. Now we're talking search and rescue, we're talking flying doctors and nurses in, um, delivery of medicines, clean water solutions, purification systems to support the most vulnerable, which are largely women and children. And supporting AIRLINK means that you are supporting all of these initiatives um, by plugging into this, you know,
0: existing framework. Steve, uh, my last question, and that has two parts. What has been the most remarkable story that you can recollect of the years that you have spent with Airlink? something that has really touched your heart? And what has been the one story that you would like to remember from the last 20, 21 months of the pandemic? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. You know, I I think that, um, you know, over time during my, or, or during my time here, you know, I think one of the, um, uh, you know, a remarkable story, um, I would say, was uh, our air bridge to West Africa to combat Ebola, and that was in 2014 2015, uh, where we brought together uh, and sent over 100 separate shipments of all varying different sizes, um, multiple um, uh, shippers, nine charter aircraft, 660 60 NGOs, nonprofits and 10 carriers helped. And so we were, we had set up and we were effectively um, um, executing a hub and spoke mechanism because we all remember at the time, many carriers, aside from two, uh, you know, uh, did not continue to fly into West Africa. And so our ability to um, rally the the aviation sector to fly to other places, and then we would charter in. Um, And so that was a really, um, really importantly deciding the response that we're able to bring something different in that value. But I think um, the second part of your question, which I think is the last um, 20 months you know, um, COVID related um, has got to be um, our operation air of India. And um, if I could sort of take you back at the time we mobilized the WHO had reported that India accounted for 40% of global cases and rising at 2 million a week. And we had media reports of uh, potential shortages of oxygen, oxygen oxygen-related material, uh, uh, medical equipment, protective gear, um, raw materials for production. So um, hospital beds, space for patients. And so um, ARIN's response uh, to India, I think, provides an example of the complexities of of the humanitarian uh, response uh, sector. And we were able to navigate. Customs uh, duty, customs duty issues, um, a requirement that goods had to be shipped directly to the state within the country, in a big place, um, and cross-border uh, transportation was not tremendously viable, and a requirement that aid had to be consigned from um, from our um, international nonprofit partners directly to state-recognized local partners, and so um, this presented a whole series of knots that you know tied tied the hands of many organizations who wanted to help. Um, and um, you know, and and Airlink had the partners and local connections, uh, and we had uh, connections to carriers and, and uh, you know local forwarders too. Um, you know, again, United Airlines I mentioned earlier was a big partner of ours, um, and uh, and we had some generous support from uh, from donors um, who uh, were connected in uh, in and to India, and so we were able to raise funds that were able to uh, offset costs to untie some of those knots. You know, this was a, uh, you know, a very complex response because India is a very, very capable place. Typically doesn't ask for um, outside assistance. And so a lot of organizations were not tremendously well-connected. And so, you know, us having those connections was really important. But I think despite all of those organization challenges, you know, we sent almost 300 tons of uh, oxygen-related equipment. As I said before, 22 uh, shipments into, uh, into India and over half of them, thanks to uh, our friends at United.
0: Steve, as always, uh, it was such a pleasure talking to you, and I'm looking forward to more such conversations in the future. Thank you. Great, thanks, Reggie. Thanks so very much for having me. That was Steve Smith, President and CEO of Airlink. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in, and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.